good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you, Dahlia and Larie, another dynamic duo for us this morning. And today's uh, Larie's birthday. I don't know if you all know that. Yes. <laughs> yes. We got stuff between services. Oh, there was a young man who I think went through a lot of ashes in his early life. And this young man was named uh, Inky. That was his nickname, Inky Johnson. And he shared that when he was first entering high school, when he was in ninth grade, he was going through some incredible challenges. You know, he lived uh, in a two-bedroom home with one bath with 14 other brothers and sisters. And his mother was the head of the household, and, you know, she had a job working in a fast food restaurant, and he would say that sometimes they didn't know where their meal would be by the end of the week. And he said he went to a very tough, tough public school. And he said the first day that he went into the high school that he was met by, the, I guess, the campus police and had to go through a bunch of metal detectors, and he had to hold up his arms real high and get looked up to the sky ceiling and get searched from his head to his toe. And that particular officer asked him a question. He asked him, uh, what's your plan, little man? And he said to him pretty clear that, you know, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to play D1 or Division I football. I'm going to get me a scholarship. And the officer looked at him and said, well, you know, you're probably going to end up in cell block D1. Not a very uplifting response. Because he asked him again another question. You know, didn't you have two uncles who, who came to this school? And, and, and he said, yes. And, you know, weren't they wonderful athletes and just like you? And they talked about what they were going to do with their life. Uh, and he said, yes. Uh, and, uh, now, aren't they now serving time in prison, just 10 minutes from where we stand right here? And he said, yes. And he said, well, the apple doesn't fall, fall far, far from the tree. And you'll probably end up in, you know, cell block D. And later on, Inky said that the gentleman was asking him these questions not to, 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 to put a blanket on it or, you know, wet blanket on it in any way, shape, or form. He was testing him. He wanted to see how badly he really wanted that goal. He wanted to know how much he was willing to fight for it. 
And he was determined to fight for it. He did everything in his power to get there. Because what he wanted to do, he wanted to be a model for his community. He wanted to help out his family and, and do great things in his life so others that saw him could do great things in their life. So he worked really hard and practiced day in and day out. Sometimes when there were no lights on the practice field, he'd have his mother come and bring up the car and just put on the headlights so he could see, so he could practice all of his moves. And he eventually did get, you know, a scholarship to a wonderful university. And, of course, the first person he went to go see was the officer at the school. He let him know. And he said that when he was a senior in college, he, his life was going so well. He was projected to be the, you know, a first-round draft pick. And he, he saw all of his dreams about to come to, his financial security, how he could be a model for other people in his community, and, and, and he was going to be a beacon of light for those who saw nothing but darkness around them. And he was one season away for his dreams to happen, but they didn't. It was not to be, because he said that in the second game of the season, while he was making a tackle, he fell to the ground. He felt kind of a current shoot through his body from his neck to his toes. And he said he blanked out. And when he came to, he couldn't feel anything. He could not move, and he rushed him into an emergency room, and they didn't know whether or not he was going to live or die, but he did. But to make this long story short, after surgery, they discovered that he had lost complete use of his left arm. And just like that, the direction that he had set for his life, the dreams that he had for himself were dashed. And his mother told him and said to him that, you know, one bad chapter in life, no matter how bad it is, does not define your life. So he did go on to finish school. He got a master's degree and, you know, he became a success. He did become a successful model for others that saw him. And he became a really, really good motivational speaker, helping people in their own lives in a way that he had never imagined. You know, we're all familiar with the statement that it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. When we talk about a kingdom, we're not talking about a place. We're talking about the expanding good. We say that God is good all the time. We say from here to time to time, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You know, there are a lot of people who look at that and hear us say that. They kind of detract us. They may criticize us. Those people believe that God is absolute good, and, you know, and they claim that those who adhere to this philosophy and affirm the goodness of God, you know, those people, they're just part of a cult. But, you know, by the way, you know, let me tell you, you know, a cult is nothing more than a group of people who refuse to go beyond the thinking of someone else that they're following, and they refuse to do their own spiritual work. But I, I digress. Consequently, when someone proclaims that God is good, the detractors will say, you know, those people, they just don't know what they're talking about. They think they can be happy all the time, joyous all the time, but that's not real life. But here's the thing. When we understand that life does not always go as planned, there are sometimes ups and downs in this human experience that we go through, that there's constant movement, there's nothing static. But when we say that God is good, it does not mean that life is good when the facts of our life are not to our liking. 
We're saying that God is good because God is changeless. And there's nothing that can change and alter the nature of the spirit of the living God. And we understand that we are offsprings of this presence. Meaning there's nothing in us that can prevent us from living the life that God has ordained us to live. Yet if we believe that there's something preventing us, then it's probably because we've been caught up in a false notion of life. And that becomes our own personal law. And so we may be saying things to ourselves, consciously or unconsciously, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough education. Things don't go my way. If I did not have bad luck, I would not have any luck at all. You may be saying things to yourself, you know, I'm too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, too young, too old, got too much education, too little education, don't have enough money, got too much money. Nope, don't say that. There's no such thing. But whatever your two is, if you're using it as an impediment, any of us, for the fullness of God from expressing through us that is blocking that great offer that Spirit has for us, and it's the lie, the father of lies, and it can and must be dissolved. So it goes to the nothingness from which it has come. Understand that we have choice. We have choice where we're going to direct our beliefs. We have choice where we can direct our faith energy. So when we hear me saying that you direct and God corrects, we hear the words in the Hebrew Bible from Isaiah that says something to the effect that I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. And that glory of the Spirit of living God will be revealed through you. And I believe that scripture is suggesting no matter what we're going through or what we're growing through when we go through our own transformational journey, if we make an effort to move in the direction of the God presence, which are the God ideas and ideals and spiritual principles, there is a correction that may come in and intervene when we get off course. The direction we want to choose is a direction in alignment with the inspired spiritual ideas of what I call the force or the infinite. Some just say use the word God. In other words, to say in an unlimited way how you and I will reveal love, how we and I will reveal peace that we talked about in the season of a nonviolence reason uh, uh, reading earlier. How we can reveal the harmony, the creativity, the goodwill, the compassion, the abundance, the affluence, the absolute beauty of this universe. And we may do it in lots of different ways, but we got to set a direction. You know, it says in Genesis, in the initial story, that you know, it states that let there be light. And it says, let there be love. Let there be so many different things. And we want to take that in and really understand that we don't want to limit what's possible. And we don't want to limit to how it may show up. And I think that's what Inky eventually came to the realization. Yes, his way of seeing how it was going to unfold didn't actually happen. Yes, he set a direction. And he got thrown off course for his specific path. But this presence made the crooked way straight, made it straight for him to fulfill his intention in another way. And I think our job is to choose a direction in which we direct and so that the presence of God can align us to even our true purpose. 
So I think there's a few things that we can do to help us get there. You know, the first one is pretty obvious. Is first of all, we got to make a decision. We got to make a decision. We got to set a direction. You know, we go back to that uh, initial scriptural reference uh, in the book of Genesis, which they call the creation story. And when states that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And understand that you and I being made in the image and likeness of this presence have the same capacity to simply affirm and allow this thing to show up in our life. Sometimes we may be unwilling to do that because we may say, you know, I just don't know what to do with my life. Imagine, if you will, if the, the mind of God, the force, would say, uh, let there be, uh, let me see what's going to happen here. Uh, let me see. I'm not quite sure what's going to go on here. No. In the mind of God, it said there was a definite spiritual intention, a spiritual idea waiting to be expressed. So there was no letting me see what's going to happen. There was an idea formed in the mind of this force waiting to capture our attention in our unique way. Thus that presence, the he, she, it, God, the force named it good already. And we are here to participate in that good that God has already named. And we start out by choosing a direction that reveals in some way, shape, or form the qualities of this presence. It could be love. It could be peace. It could be creativity. It could be the goodwill. It could be compassion. It could be absolute beauty of the universe that can show up in a lot of different forms. You know, for for Inky, that was behind his intention originally and his desire to be successful in the football. He really wanted to be a model for others. He wanted to make a difference in people's lives to help them come from where they are to where they could be, who could see that he did it and therefore others can do it. So he did choose a direction, but he got off course, but the universe added support to carry out his intention. And I think we have to choose a direction first and foremost, and then the Spirit of God adds the increase or will make the crooked ways straight or add what is needed along the way. You know, a while back, I remember a couple, a couple that were getting ready to buy a business, and they were wondered, wondering about, I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know where the people are going to come from. I don't even know if I'm going to learn this and so forth. And then they realized they just had to make a decision. And when they made that decision, it set a direction, and everything began to fall into place. Now, sometimes things didn't quite turn out the way they thought or show up the way they thought. And there are corrections that were made, but they made a decision, and then that gravitated them to get the support from the universe. I think our task is to set a direction, and the universe will provide the increase along the way. But as we do that, there's a second principle that we want to do, and that's to avail ourselves to the presence, and that is this. We have to be open. We have to be receptive. You know, someone uses a phrase that I adopted that says, we're talking about having a strong intention, but loosely held. (laughs) 
having a strong intention, but holding them loosely enough so that means that we're sticking hard to something that we actually believe in, but being humble and mature enough to change our opinion when contrary evidence is put to light or when the situation around us changes. Some people are going to stay the same regardless of what's going on. If things completely turn around, you might want to take a look at, well, maybe I can look at this from a different perspective. I think one way that we can do that is to, to be as a child, as Jesus said, because he said that's what we needed to do to enter this expanding good. He's saying within us already there has to be a degree of flexibility, a degree, a degree of being in the moment, in the present, living full out without worrying about tomorrow. But to be as a child, as he said, be flexible, be open, be receptive, be available so that the fullness of the presence of God can get through us. Because if we're a stiff container that's blocking everything from coming through, we'll never experience it. You know, there was a research project, long, I guess, longitudinal study, I guess they call it. And they were talking about individuals or people who had lived in their 90s and into their hundreds. And these people were living beautiful vital, giving lives. And they wanted to know, as they looked up the study, what was the common denominator of all of these people? And one of the researchers had a question on there. One of the research questions was, did you have a happy childhood? And one of the 99-year-old youngsters who was still young and spry and vigorous and uh, was traveling around the world and did great things in his life, wrote in response to that question, have you had a did you have a happy childhood? His response was, so far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. That somewhere along the line, he had not given up. He had not given up that sense of childlike nature that's within us. He had not given up about being in the present moment. He had not given up about having the vitality and going for it in his mind and his heart. So far, so good. So I think deep within us, there is a resonance there. There is a happy childhood. And maybe you might be saying, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. If he only knew about my childhood, I didn't have one. Or it was terrible. Or there was all these negative things that happened in my life. You know, there was a, a young woman who had been carrying around the belief that her childhood was the worst thing that ever happened to her. And she talked about how her parents criticized her, didn't seem to support her, invalidated her. They made her go to bed early while all her friends had to, could stay up late and go to parties and how she never got a chance to travel around with them or have any fun growing up. And she said that I was always in the no fun zone. I actually think if I look at her life, that's what they call first world problems. But in every mind, we have our own problems and they're the biggest thing to us in our own minds. But one day she said she stumbled across a video and she talked about how she could change her story and started telling herself a new story, an empowering story. And she reinforced that story with her own affirmations. And at first she was skeptical and pessimistic that this crazy stuff would even work. 
but she said, I'll give it a try. And she wrote down an affirmation, my childhood was full of joy and adventure. And she placed that affirmation on her refrigerator door, on her bathroom mirror. She put it on her dashboard so she could see it when she drove around. And at first she said, this is silly. This don't make no sense at all. How could I say something that to me just isn't true? But she went on anyway to continue to repeat it to herself over and over again. And then something began to happen. It triggered certain memories that she had forgotten about. She began to remember some of the things in her childhood that she had forgotten about, like when she loved to read and her parents would take her to the nearest library or to bookstores during that time when they had bookstores. And she remembered how she would spend hours in her backyard maybe imagining herself on these wild adventures with her stuffed animals. And she continued to focus on the positive aspects of her childhood. And she began to feel lighter. She began to release herself from the imprisonment that she had put herself in. She began to feel happier. And she simply lifted her whole energy. And she no longer felt like a victim of her past. And she started to see possibilities of a bright future where she thought there was none. She even began to laugh at the absurdity of her old story and how she convinced herself that she had the worst childhood imaginable and realized that this is nothing more than self-inflicted nonsense. As I mentioned earlier, self-inflicted nonsense is another word for sin. Self-inflicted nonsense. We do it to ourselves. You know, one of the times I always tell people that, you know, oftentimes when we look into a past of what we think happened, none of that happened. You could put two or three people in the same situation and ask them to describe what happened, and you think that they were on three or four different planets. You know, we, we, most of us have come from the school of MSU, making stuff up. <laughs> we just making it up, you know? And so after a while, when she was with her friends, they talk about what happened back in the day. And they began to reminisce about the old days. She just joins in in the laughter and that her life is better now than ever. In fact, she began to teach other people the, how to have joy in their life on a day-to-day basis. But it all started because she started saying that my life and my childhood was filled with joy and adventure. So whether or not we need to say my childhood was filled with joy and adventure or whether we have to say in the vibration so far so good, it does not matter how we get there. As long as we're aware that we have the capacity to step outside of the circumstances and say boldly, let there be. Let there be life in my life. Let there be light. Let there be joy. Let there be peace. Let there be harmony. We're setting the direction and know that the Spirit of God will always make the correction. You know, when we say that, we may think on some level, on a human level, you know, I just don't know where the resources are going to come from. I don't know where the support's going to come from. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But one thing we're sure about That with God, the force, the presence, all things are possible. You know, and that Inky story reminds us that regardless of how many hurts or pains that we've gone through, 
regardless of how many times maybe our visions and goals and our intentions have been crushed to the earth, that regardless of what has happened in our history, regardless of how we've come to be where we are right now, there's something calling us to continue to set the direction, reset, reset, begin again, knowing that the great law of life will add the correction and the support along the way. It will refine us. It is saying to us in so many words, I am with you always. I'm going to make you a blessing. If you'll just go for it, you'll stand on the tiptoe of your being, looking over to the promised land of your life and see that indeed all is well. Regardless of whatever has happened, we choose a direction today. And God adds the correction. And we'll be making a choice to cash in on that promissory note, to accept God's outrageous offer that says, I will give you the kingdom of God here and now. So know that you direct. God corrects. Makes the crooked places straight. This is what God wants, I believe, for each and every one of us. Because God loves us too much to leave us alone. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center